when you start a business or when you're running a business, you're being knocked from every side. So it's about you know, the ability to say, OK, that's happened now. That was tough. Get up. The Architects of Business on Joe, in partnership with EY Entrepreneur of the Year, telling the inspirational stories behind Ireland's most successful entrepreneurs. And welcome back to the Architects of Business on Joe, made in partnership with EY Entrepreneur of the Year, where you'll hear the inspirational stories of Ireland's most successful entrepreneurs. I'm your host, Sonia Lennon, and in this episode, I'll be talking to Mary McKenna, the founder of Tour America. With a turnover of 20 million, the business started 23 years ago in Mary's living room and is now the leading tour operator into the USA from Ireland. Mary McKenna from Tour America, I am really looking forward to chatting with you because I feel like I know you. We have a lot of friends in common. Um, One thing that I like to do when we start is to get a sense of little Mary, Mary at the beginning. And I love your story of growing up um, with entrepreneurship in your blood. Yeah, yeah. And you know, you you do go back to the beginning a lot and, uh, and... I always think, you know, I I, I didn't do tremendously well in school, so I was kind of thinking, you know, um, probably if it was diagnosed at the time, I might have had dyslexia. I'm not sure. But, you know, I I struggled, not like my siblings who were doing very, very well. But my dad was always saying to me as a kid, he said, you've great common sense, use it well. He just was pumping that, you've great common sense, you've great emotional intelligence. And uh, so something in me believed in myself as well. Um, And, uh, you know, I love sport. I played sport and I found that uh, when I was in school, I started playing hockey at 11 and I was very good at it and I loved it. I found something I was really good at. And, uh, And really sport played a huge part of my business life as well because at 11, you know, it was a very different time. You went to the game on two buses. Uh, like I went to school on my own when I was three years of age. It was a very different Ireland and uh, maybe not cocooned in the way mm-hmm. it is now or uh, sheltered. Do, do you think that we need a bit more of that? Yeah. Well, I think, you know, me as a parent, I do a bit of it as well. But I think that's, you know, when, when I talk to other entrepreneurs or I talk to people who've who've gone through running a business and the ups and downs, there's something about them that there's, you know, life hasn't been easy and, and they certainly weren't cocooned and, and they come out stronger because, as you know yourself, when you start a business or when you're running a business, you're being knocked from every side. So it's about, you know, the ability to say, OK, that's happened now. That was tough. Get up. And uh, and maybe that's where sport played a bit of a role. You know, you go and you play and you're trying to get on a team. You're trying to get on the first team and you're working very hard and you're not selected. So life can be unfair. And you say, oh, I deserve this, but I didn't and uh, get on the team. Um, and now I was doing very well in hockey, so I was earning it. But it was literally consistently working at it, losing a game, you know, very disappointed. The team are there. The, how do we keep this going? So all those things in sport really helped me. And then, you know, the fun of it. You know, I, I loved the fun of it more. I loved the whole thing of it's a team if we win, it's a team if we lose, um, how important it is to give the 100%. I can only give the best I can. So all those things were very important. And, of course, you know, uh, I thought I was going to be... Well, I was very good at soccer as well, and uh, but I preferred hockey for some reason. But I thought I was... Hockey to, seems to be one of those sports that if you get into it, it just yeah. takes over. Well, it's soccer is, is, is very like hockey. So it's played the same way, except 
except in hockey, you're protected, you have a stick, and it's a very skillful game. So uh, It's always good to have a stick, right? Yeah, it is always good to have a stick. <laughs> you, know, you can use it a bit as well. But um, So it's a great sport. And... Uh, uh, of course, it was played on grass. Now it's played on astroturf, but it was a fast game, and it's uh, and most people who play it love it. But if you play soccer, so I was very good at soccer. I played soccer on the streets as a young kid as well. My brother was a great soccer player, and so hockey was. I could read the game of hockey very well. And was there a desire then, from an early stage, to to make that your career choice? Uh, no, I just knew my, my dad was a big uh, sportsman as well. So he uh, he was a big GAA man. And uh, of course, the first thing he had to me was a camogie stick. So he was, a, uh, you know, a Catholic from Belfast, the Falls Road in Belfast. So you can't get uh, any more and Catholic that's than that. resilience. You know, like <laughs> being brought up singing armour, tanks and tanks and guns, you know. So he was very, a big GAA man. And uh, so we would go to Crow Park every Sunday. I think it was more to give mom a break and we'd be brought to... Uh, all the games um, and I, funny enough even though now I love it I wasn't big into it and maybe it's because I was brought to so many games and it was it Force was a it. but I got a camogie stick when I was three and I hit my sister and that was taken off me and then I went to the <laughs> wrong school you know we lived in Kalini so it was on uh, in that particular area it was all hockey so if I lived in another area it would, it would have been GAA so I probably you know if I played it it might have been different it's situational isn't it the, the yeah, choices it we make in time, life now are... my sister lives in Dorky and all her kids are playing uh, Kamogi, you know, so, but at that time, you know, I'm not going to tell you what age I am, but if I go back, it's a long time. There wasn't uh, Kamogi uh, played by yeah. very few men, uh, women uh, at that stage. And so go back to your father, because yeah. I get the sense that he uh, is a huge part of who you are. Yeah, he was, uh, you know, unfortunately, he, he passed away when he was 55. He so young. Very young, and uh, so I was 24 when he died, and uh, quite a tragic uh, incident because my sister had been in a very bad car accident. It was 1989, and and he was very upset. And he was a, he was a workaholic. He worked very hard, um, and but I learned a, a really important lesson on on that day. You know, in 89, was he took a taxi from his workplace into the Black Rock Clinic, and we never saw him again. You know that that had a huge impact on my life. This wonderful, fun, generous kind, wonderful dad, missed everything in life. He missed his children getting what, married. what happened to him? So he was having a bypass. First of all, actually, my sister had been, uh, a jaggernaut had crashed into her in the States and she was very badly injured. Now she's she's okay, um, but she broke her neck, smashed her pelvis, smashed her hip, uh, was taken by helicopter. Uh, and we didn't know what the situation was, whether she was going to live or die. And he was he was really lovable, loved his kids. And it, it seriously impacted him. And he was being operated six weeks later in the Black Rock Clinic. She had clocked up a million pounds of insurance. That's why travel insurance is so important. So we actually had to fly her home. I mean, this is 1989. So we brought her back to Ireland. And a million pounds. A million pounds in, in insurance, me medical. medical insurance in the States. The, my two sisters were in the car accident, but one wasn't as bad, my younger sister. and uh, But she was in intensive care in uh, Boston for six weeks. Wow. And she was operated for 14 hours. I mean, so it's just... You know, if, if well, if it was in Ireland, she wouldn't have been able to walk again. Where you know the states was high end technology, but he was very upset about that, and uh, we all flew over to Boston, and all he did was think about his family, and uh, he wasn't really prepared for an operation. 
Um, and he came straight from his workplace. So he didn't think of himself and he didn't make it, you know. So, you know, I grew up overnight. My mom was only 49 and, uh, and she, you know, a lovely woman, but she was totally taken care of, cocooned by him. She didn't know how to write a check. She didn't know how to do anything. So, you know, I became, my brother was uh, the oldest, but he was in the States. He was in the Air Force. So I was the oldest girl at home. So I became the... Head of the house. I, I think I became. They, my sisters might argue with me on that one, but I really did. I think become, it's safe to say you probably became. I, I, the head so of the house. you know, taking watching her, and you know, unfortunately, <clears throat> it really had a serious impact on 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 my mom. You know, so she was someone who lived in the states. Should have been a fashion designer. Very like you, she was into glamour. She was gorgeous, and uh, didn't want to come back to Ireland. She was from the west of Ireland. You know, Blacksod Bay. Her first language was Irish one of 15 and she saw America was the land of opportunity and, and my father, she met my father, got married over there and he was like, I want to go back to Ireland, wear the green jersey back in Ireland and she now has very bad dementia. So oh, it's, dear. you know, you're dealing with lots of different things. So. I know what that looks like. Yeah, it's awful. And, so, um, so let's go back to your, your childhood, and, but you lived through your father's entrepreneurial journey and I have a question, did he know he was a workaholic? Uh, he loved what he did. It was a time where if you wanted to to do okay in life, you had to work very hard. Like you're talking about the 60s and mm -hmm. 70s. So he set up his business, uh, sorry, his brother's business. My uncle had a travel company in San Francisco. So uh, when they came back to the States, my grandfather was a publican and he gave them a pub in Dura and my mom hated it. So my uncle said, why don't you open up a travel company for me in Dublin? And he did the sports of that travel. So he was the first person to do charters to the, what, Man United. Liverpool was his team and Celtic were his, were his team. So he chartered planes to all the football games. So he had a, a great passion for sport and, and love uh, for his business. But at a very young age, what I saw was, first of all, a very kind man who was a hardworking, efficient man uh, who always watched out for the underdog. So... You know, lots of people say to me, oh, I was trying to go to a football game and uh, I didn't have a ticket and your dad pulls a ticket out and says, so he had that great ability. And he always said, you know, always be kind and give back. Don't take anything for granted. So there are a lot of people who take in life and forget. He wasn't one of those. Um, and he would bring us into the office as we were kids um, and on a Saturday as well. <laughs> Mom break. Um, but we had, first of all, you had to pay homage to his staff. I know, they were all lovely. And get them coffees, uh, put stickers on brochures. And then Lily was the cleaning lady and she was the star, you know, because if we worked hard, we got a donut from her. That was our pay. So we'd hoover. But it was always you worked, you respected the team. Um, and these were his, like, the, these were the, the people he looked up to, his team. That was very important later on for me because how you treat people, is very important and a lot of people don't get that. So he didn't, first of all, he always told everybody he lived in Dunleary, he couldn't say the word Kalini for some reason. <laughs> and uh, he really hated snobbery. He just, it was like, he was very funny about that and he'd be like, you know, work for things and like, a, I'll, I'll give you examples of, so I worked, myself and my brother worked in Duns in fifth and sixth class uh, during the summer months and come home with the money, he'd take it off. and. 
but I don't know what he did with the money, but actually when he died, everything was always saved for us. Wow. And uh, so he was very practical. You, you know, um, understand the value of money. You're not going to get anything work for it. And I think that's very important. I think you have a have to have a purpose and to understand the value of money as well. And how has that um, social obligation impacted you? Yeah, well, you know, Maybe because he died so young, like I'm the exact same age as as he is now. And uh, and I look and I compare a lot. It's a very funny thing I'm doing now. What would he think if he was here? And and I, I say I'm fitter. I'm I'm I'm, you know, in a better shape than than he is. And, and that's really important, you know, as well, because I have a 10 year old or 11 year old. He's just turned 11. Um, and the giving back and taking care of people. The only thing we die with is our conscience. Nothing else. You can't take it with you. You can make millions. You can do whatever you like. But how you treat people and uh, is the only thing, you know, you can, the conscience you have, have I been a good person? Have I done the right things? And and that's what I'm trying to teach Keen now, you know. Uh, his report came in and I said to him last night and I said, oh, no, you did very well. I was really proud. And Congratulations. <laughs> I said to him, the, I said, joy. I said, the, the proudest moment was, you know, they said, you're very humorous, you're great fun and you're very kind. And I said, Keen, that is amazing. That is lovely. That'll get you everywhere. That's so important. You know, they're the that real you foundation stones, yeah, aren't they? They really are. So let's talk about the time that you you went to the States. Yes. At the age of 19? Yeah, I was. I, I split up with my first love and uh, he broke my heart. And I went, I took a plane over to the States. And uh, Dramatic and gesture. Dramatic, like it was. <laughs> we split up on Friday, went on Monday. Um, and, uh, and were your parents over there at no, that stage? They no, they had we back. Had, so my mom, when she went to the States uh, at the age of 18, uh, went on the boat from Cove. And then she sent home uh, money to her siblings and brought her sisters over there. So she had... Like she's one of 15, so five or six sisters living there. So, And they were fantastic. Uh, so we would go over from the age of about 13 or 14, spend the summer months with our relatives over there. So I loved it. I loved the, the whole thing of the clothes. And, you know, like you're talking about the 80s or 70s or whatever. You know, they had everything that we didn't have mm. in Ireland. There was no online. There was no, you couldn't see this. You just go over there. So the States was a wow place. Um, and I lived in Maine and, uh, you know, I loved driving over there and everything, but I have to be honest, uh, it was a great destination. It's full of different places, but my heart was always in Ireland. So it was a bit like my dad. Mm. Uh, I loved the Irish people and you can't beat them. No matter where you go in the world, there's something, there's something just about them that I missed. And so I came back home, but I learned a lot when I was over there as well. You know? So what were the impacts? Because I can only imagine that you brought learnings back from the States yeah. with you in terms of how you developed your business? Well, even products, even the way they move, you know, how hard they work. Um, and Ireland, no, I'm not saying that we didn't work hard in Ireland, but it was a very different place. They had ideas. It was the land of opportunity. It really was. You could do whatever. You could earn a lot of money. Even I was earning a lot of money at that stage, you know. And uh, so, look, I uh, had an interest in the States. And because we were going over there, I knew the States well. Um, and uh, so when my father died in... Sorry, I have to... The, the gap between that as well is when I came back then, I went into the airline business. So I worked with an American airline, Northwest Airlines, down in Shannon. That was great fun. Uh, I, I'll never do shift work again. <laughs> now you know, Mary. I just couldn't do it. It was like somebody said to me, that in the States they get up at four o'clock in the morning and I was saying to my uncle, God, I remember doing six o'clock in the morning and I'm still, I still can't forget it. 
I'd turn my clock upside down and think it was six and it was 12, I drive to work, I'm crazy things, but great experience. So I then went from Northwest Airlines to a charter airline in Dublin and, uh, and I was given a, a great opportunity. I was 23, uh, I was asked to be the duty manager. I had met the owner of this, this airline through Northwest Airlines and he said, I'm looking for that experience. 400 people on the ground, uh, a charter airline, two planes, two 727, 200 series and a 100 series that were secondhand going nowhere. All right, so it was a disaster. Uh, it was the same time Ryanair started as well. So the the aircrafts were old. Um, they were, you know, we drive forklifts into them. We did everything. And uh, I had to do a pilot's license as well. So I went off training in the States for six weeks. Never flew a plane, um, but I had to do the theory. Now, actually, the five other duty managers who worked with me went on to be pilots. So I had no desire to be a pilot, but I loved it. Um, and I needed that for the ground operations. So I was in charge of ground operations when I was on duty, reading the weather to the pilots, um, doing the weight and balance of an aircraft because it wasn't done uh, the way it's done now, sure. all through technology. Um, getting on the plane and cleaning it when a cleaner didn't turn up, having a, you know, a cleaning pack. So you were the, the Manuel exactly, of the... <laughs> yeah. But that was a great experience. I was 23 years of age and, um, and I remember my dad was alive at this stage and um, I had got uh, two job offers. One was in uh, TWA up in Kalini Castle and it was nine to five and the other one was this Club Air which was out at Dublin Airport. And £8,000 was my salary, which was a huge salary at that time. And my dad said, now, you know, I know this is strange. He said, but that one's just up the road and this one's going to be challenging. Which one do you want to take? I said, I think I'll take the challenging one. And I went into work and uh, and I didn't come out for 36 hours. Wow. And that went on for three months. Wow. Like you had to, so, but there was, you just couldn't leave. You had a duty to do. You had to take care of passengers. So I'd be standing up saying look, I'm really sorry, guys. <laughs> this plane isn't going anywhere. Wow. Uh, and it won't be for three days. And people go mad. And But I had, I was able to make decisions at a very young age. And Critical to stand decisions. Up, but to be honest to people, say, I'm really sorry. And, uh, you know, they were important things. Being authentic, being real, telling the truth, you know, Look, I'm sorry, this plane isn't going anywhere, and uh, that was that was a great experience. And it sounds like there was no um, wavering in your mind, or almost no option but to stay rooted in travel. Yeah, it was in my blood. Yeah, it was definitely it was in my DNA. It was in my blood, and it was something I really loved and enjoyed. I loved the airline business. Um, so when my dad died, then in 1989, uh, my uncle asked me to come and work in his company, which was specialising in the States. He had another company specialising in the States. And I went in there for six years and I started as the marketing manager because I actually had a, had, look, I, I didn't go to college. I had no marketing degree, but I always... Common said, sense, though. <laughs> but I was like, I'm a marketeer, you know? Yeah. But I knew, I knew the basics of it. I knew what you had to do. So I was very good at that. Even though I didn't have the qualification, I just went, no, yeah, of course I'm marketing. I'm a marketing person, the marketing manager. So I went in and uh, I did marketing and then I went on to be the office manager. And really what I was doing was trying to make them better, raise their standards, raise their standards. And I got so much resilience. It was like bringing new ideas. This is what we need to do. Even in graphics and like at that time, you know, I remember having a big wheel and I'd say, design it properly, get it out there, get it to market. And it was like, why? Uh, we always do a line ad in the paper, but change that, get this out to travel agents. And it was then like, we've always done it this way, Mary. I was like, it's very so interesting, isn't it? That. Um, that, that 
transformational change piece mm. that it, it, it's so um, it's so critical in business because as the life cycle of a business continues, mm. the needs are different. Yeah. yeah, and and you know, in many ways, if you're not evolving and changing and iterating as a business, you're falling off a cliff. But people sit in their comfort zone. People like, they don't like change. And and I loved change. So, you know, and then you have blocking that goes on in every business. So you have to be very careful to allow innovation and creative creativity to come into your business. So if your business is doing fine, which this was, they're like, no, why change anything? Mm. But they're not thinking about the future. So like, and, and that's, if you look at that business now over, you know, 25 years, if they had looked at different things, it's so important. So, but what we do is we block. And so in one sense, I have to say I was blocked. Now what that happened, that was a great opportunity for me because I was kind of wanting to do stuff, wanting to do stuff. And when he sold his business in 1989 to a UK company, um, I was part of the management buyout. Uh, sorry, I wasn't part of the management. I, I had to stay there and I said, I, I, I want to go. Um, and uh, and were you locked in for a certain amount well, of time? I, I said to my, I said to my uncle actually I I'm, I would like to start my own business and he was like he went into shock I think nearly but uh, I I said look I've always wanted to do this and he said well actually Mary I need the management team to stay for six months and I said that's no problem I'll stay for six months so Mary we're just about to get to the meaty bit where mm. you break free yeah. and start up on your own yeah. just before we do that we're going to take a short break okay the architects of business on Joel in partnership with EY Entrepreneur of the Year, telling the inspirational stories behind Ireland's most successful entrepreneurs. So, the moment came, you yeah. knew, as a strategist, a forward-thinking, yeah. marketeer, and dyed-in-the-wool travel professional, you knew you had to do it yourself. Yes, but I saw a gap in the market as well. So, I saw... How, before you tell us, yeah. how... How important was that in the success of your business? Well, I think there has to be a market, you know, unless you're inventing something that's new to the market. I saw a potential. The company I was in was serving a part of a business, but they had no competition. Now you need competition. And I saw an opportunity to do something slightly a little bit more nicher and, uh, and, and there was an area, there was an opportunity. So what happened was when my uncle sold his company, a lot of the suppliers he was dealing with, so for example, they were dealing with Alamo Rent-A-Car um, and they had to drop that and do, use dollar. So Alamo were left. Suppliers they were dealing with uh, were dropped. So these, these suppliers were waiting. So I, when I started my business, when I started from home uh, in my sitting room, I would ring these suppliers and like say... Like most good business, yeah, let's say. Yeah. <laughs> and, and not a penny. I'll, I'll come into that because that was interesting. Um, so I, I would ring... Uh, whoever, which one, I can't remember which one was dropped, a uh, dollar, and say, look. So I'd bring the owner, because I had dealt with all these. I had, I was contracting for this previous company and say, look, I'm going to start my business um, and you've just been dropped. I work really, really well with you, but here's the deal, right? I can't compete with these big guys, so you've got to give me a break for two years. You've got to give me really good prices. And like, it's going to, it's going to be painful for you because we've got to go, but I will guarantee you, I'll give you a contract for five to 10 years that I'll be your supplier and I will be bigger than your previous, but you've got to help me. You've got to come in with very good rates. And they all did that. And what was the gap? 
So the gap was these suppliers were coming in and it wasn't niche. It was too general. Like, But you were offering to, to, so to the public. To the public and, to, and actually to travel agents at that time. So the travel business has changed a lot. You've got to remember, I started my business in 1995. There was no internet. We did everything by uh, telex and everything was very manual. Now, we did have a back office system, but there was no internet. You still had the golden pages is where you did the research. Like, you forget that. Mm. You know, th that's the way business was. So, you know, it was a, it was taking all these new ideas. When did the internet start, by the way? I can't remember. Gosh. But it was like, you know, it was taking all these new ideas. I remember having a mobile phone, all right, but that was actually... And were you embarrassed about it? I was embarrassed about my yeah, first because there were early like mobile phones. Phone. But that was, I thought that was just the, the biz. And uh, so it was a very different place and the opportunity was there. So what was very important to me, Sonia, to be quite honest, was the relationships I had, my contacts, the gap I saw in the market, um, and the fact that I had decided when I was starting, I was going to work on the business, not in the business. I was going to work on the business, not in the business, that I was going to grow it. And I had done my figures. So what I started to do at that stage was recognise um, like a SWOT analysis on myself, recognise my weaknesses. And I went to accountancy, not really my strength. So I went to UCD at night. I started studying. I started reading. I started educating myself at that stage. And that was very, very interesting. So I was, I was starting to say I'm not good enough in terms of what I know. So you've got to be a better leader. You've got to go out there and, uh, and do better. So... All those small things were starting to add up. I was never happy enough that we were good enough. So I was constantly saying, no, 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 we've got to be perfect in this. And um, and I had uh, I took some very good people with me at the start and and they were paid terribly. I, uh, and and I said to them, when I when we take off, I'll take care of you. And and of course, they are some of them are still with me today Amazing. and I was uh, in good contact with them. But, um, you know, so it was really in touch A with... A of faith for everybody. Yeah, but also, what ideas have you got? Like, let's, let's bring in some stuff and, and saying, we can do this, we'll try it, fail fast. Um, you know, if it doesn't work, let's let go, let's not get emotionally attached to it. So a lot of that type of stuff at the beginning, but uh, I started studying as well. So our first office was a tiny little office in Eden Key. It was awful. And it was secondhand furniture, couldn't afford anything because someone said to me, oh, you don't make profit for three years. Well, that's the, that's the you know, much loved and high yeah, held said, belief, who, right? Who, who made up that rule? No idea. And so I said, no, 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 no. So um, now. Although I think it probably is statistically out outweighing your story, but keep going. <laughs> well, I just couldn't figure out why. So I said, okay, if I do this, if I do this amount of sales, because um, we're a cash flow business, so people pay us ahead and we pay after. Um, so. Everything was keep the overheads tight, keep the overheads tight. So that's why secondhand furniture, second phone. Actually, I remember um, Delta Airlines came in, a big contract, very important. And um, we had just probably year two, we had taken over three floors now in Eden Key, still awful. And we, she was coming in to see us and uh, I she was a lovely lady, Joanne, but, you know, she was going to be visibly what she saw, whether she's impressed to give us the same deals as she gives uh, other uh, agents. So I had said to all the guys, look, she's coming in and we were only starting off. And uh, I said, well, when she comes in, you're to ring each other, right, to get the phone Make ring. it really busy. <laughs> We were ringing each other to get the phones. So we looked Hilarious. busy and said, really sorry, we're busy. We're doing all these Love calls. It. So we, we staged it. <laughs> totally staged.
stage. Did. I must tell her someday when I meet That's her. That's hilarious. But um, we got the deal, you know. So we, we did what we had to. And um, I went out knocking on travel agents' door. Now, we, do, we don't deal with the trade at all. We're directly to the public, very similar to your type yes. of business. But at the time... Uh, like I would travel the country and stay like you know Sheila Braslin Limerick travel I stayed in her house when I went to visit I said we don't have the money to stay in hotel. Amazing. come in you can stay here but the results of that mm. common sense yeah led you to a turnover of three million so in our first year three million pounds turnover now we're it's a low margin business and we made 69,000 pounds profit amazing yeah amazing so, and at that stage I knew it was a business. So I, I had the common sense as well to say it's not going to be a lifestyle business. It's going to be a business. I'm going to grow it. And I think that came from my dad. You know, like if you're going to do something like that, do it properly. So I was kind of thinking on those lines. So you, you could easily suck that out, but it wasn't. We, we kept growing the business. So... You're in high growth. Yeah. Uh, your team moved is... Moved office. Moved office to a swanky new premises. Abbey Street, yeah. <laughs> uh, your team is growing. New furniture. New furniture. Your revenue is growing. Yeah. And all of a sudden, you find yourself in the position that your dad found himself in. Yeah. Yeah. Well, actually, before... Yes. Uh, before that, though, what happened from a business point of view was that we had September the 11th. And I'll never forget, I was, my sister came and was working with me and we went across the road to Ireland and we were looking at the TV and there was one plane going into the Twin Towers and I was like going, oh my God. And, uh, and when everything unfolded that day, we had lots of relatives living in the States. So it was quite traumatic for the whole world, but even personally, personally um, and actually, we went kind of into shock. But then what happened from a business point of view was uh, the phone stopped ringing. I had 43 staff, like nothing was happening, nothing. And I knew what we could survive to. So I was thinking, God, you know, you don't know what's going to happen at that time, you know, whether things will come back. But the world was seriously affected. Every business was affected. But mine was, I was only selling America. Like I was selling holidays to the States and nobody was going to the States. So um, I had to let go of 11 people. And I'll never forget it, Sonia. I, I think that was the hardest thing in business I've ever had to deal with. It's horrible, isn't it? Well, one by one, they come in and, and uh, I, I would uh, look at them and say, you're a great employee, you've done nothing wrong. And I would be bawling, crying. I was like all over the shop. I was, I'm so sorry. And I felt... I failed. I felt I let them down. I felt I was responsible. I felt everything. It was awful. It was it was probably the lowest time of business ever. And uh, so a couple of weeks later, I was still feeling, I, I felt very guilty, really, really guilty. And I saw cruise specials coming in. <laughs> like there were, was it still telex or fax? Can't remember, fax probably. <laughs> and I said, okay, um, nobody's doing anything with these. And uh, I said, why don't we start a new business and uh, registered cruiseholidays.ie, trademarked cruiseholidays.ie. And I thought it's a good fit with America if it ever comes back as well. We could do cruises worldwide. And I rang 10 of the 11 people. Everybody always asks about the one, but I won't talk about the one. <laughs> 10 of the 11 people said, look, I'm going to start Cruise Holidays. Can you come back in? You go into this brand. We'll open up this office, Cruise Holidays. And that brand turned over 6 million euros and we are still, to this day, the number one seller of cruises in Northern Ireland, the Republic of Ireland, worldwide. Extraordinary. Out of 
desperation. Well, never waste a good crisis, right? <laughs> Absolutely. There is always opportunity in, in something. You know, that's the other thing then. So I kind of track different things in business. There's an opportunity in, in the same in the recession. I'll talk about that later. So then in 2004, and I'm working, 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 working seven days a week. Uh, and we talked about sacrifices and there was a lot of sacrifices I missed a lot of things. Um, I was driving a business totally obsessed. Two businesses, essentially. Two businesses, totally obsessed. I couldn't go out and be sociable because I was doing work, 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 work. If they didn't talk about work, I was changing the conversation to work. I was trying to sell, 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 sell. Actually quite boring, to be quite honest. <laughs> if I was, you wouldn't invite me to a dinner party. And, um, and I was obsessed. And I, I believed I was very good and I was studying and I was doing different things. And I went into the office on uh, the 24th of January 2004, sitting, I was at the back end. So we were from Abbey Street, the front end to the back end, quite a long office. And I had my office at the very back, which I've moved from since. And uh, I was looking out the window and I saw this old lady trying to park her car. And I had a lovely little car and it was parked in front. I walk everywhere now, by the way. And uh, I said, she'll never park in there. So I went out and I said, I have to get brochures out of the boot anyway. And I spoke to the old lady and I said, look, I'm gonna move forward, you move in there. And she moved the car and turned around, bang. Uh, I was hit by a Jeep. And he, he was actually, later on I found he was uh, having an argument with his daughter. And uh, it's quite an interesting story because I was hit, I thought, oh my God. I, I remember seeing it just for a quick second. I thought it was purple, it was a blue murk. And I went up in the air, came down and, uh, and he ran over me. He was oh. going backwards and the front wheel stayed on my left side. So mm. all my ribs broke, went into my lungs, fractured my pelvis hip because he then got out. Never saw the man, he was a big man, crushed this side of me. And he had to drive off me then as well. <clears throat> oh so my Lord. It was interesting at that moment, my sports came back into my head, my a survival came back into my head. So I was at the back of the office, all my staff were around and, and I was in horrendous pain and I went into total survival mode. I went, okay, I can't walk. I don't know if I'm going to live. I actually, I, I just thought maybe you have a lot of pain and then you die. I wasn't sure what was going on. And I went, I want to survive. So I think from playing hockey, I'd been smacked so many times by a hockey ball that the pain, the resilience of the pain was, you know, was something I could cope with. I couldn't breathe because both my lungs got punctured. And, but I wanted to survive no matter what. And I stayed calm. And, uh, and later on, I was given a 50-50 chance of survival. And, uh, and I had a really tough couple of nights in intensive care. And the, they came into me and said to me, you know, most people would die of your injuries, but because you stayed calm, you didn't put any pressure on your heart. You know, you've had a cut to your liver, but that'll mend. So a lot of the internal stuff that could have gone wrong went went okay in my uh, stage. But in a split second, um, I thought, God, if I had died today, I had a great life. And I, I, and I really didn't have many regrets. But after that, my life changed because I was so grateful of life and how it can be taken away. And having lost a parent and, and my first love died as well. Um, so, you know, I had a great appreciation of life. And its value. And its value. And I feel, you know, and my sister is, is alive and she survived as well. So both of us in a car accident. And, and I'm so close to um, my siblings. Um, because I'm so grateful that they're there 
and that I'm here. So that was a massive change. And when you talk about my dad, and I think, you know, he was a great role model and I'm so grateful for the years I had with him. But I also am sad for him that he missed his children getting married and all his grandchildren, which he would have adored. Um, and that was a huge sacrifice for someone to take a taxi from their workplace into hospital and never come out. I think something was wrong with that. Yeah. Fundamentally. So your life, um, as you knew it, had mm. been completely turned on its head. So mm. how, how did you begin to rehabilitate yourself? Never mind the physical piece, the, mm. the, the psychological and the emotional mm. piece of how do I get back in the saddle? How, how do I begin to live again? Mm. It, it, this is a business podcast. Mm. So we, mm. mi we might, if you don't mind, even mm. though we could go anywhere on this, talk about it from a business mm. point of view because uh, th that sort of massive knock, where do you mm. begin? Yeah, so the realisation is... You know, I love business. I love what I do. And, and you have to if you're doing something like, you know, your own business. But there's a very important thing to remember, you know, and uh, in particular, you know, I've been on the EY programme and um, in Hong Kong and meeting so many business people. That and you're, you're relatively new to the programme. I am. Yeah, yeah so it's a, a, a baby yeah. uh, EY oh, that's entrepreneur the That's year. the nicest thing anybody's <laughs> ever said. But... You know, very successful people, very wealthy people. Um, but at some stage, we all die. We all know that happens. It's pretty much a given. It's a given, yeah. And how important it is to enjoy life as well. And it's to get the balance right. And there has to be something on the balance. So what I did from, I love my business. And uh, now I, I do put my family first, if I'm being honest. I won't miss a soccer game. I won't miss something that's very important. But yet I work very hard. I work harder than most people I know. But You set boundaries for yourself. I do, yeah. And I'm very honest. Like if, if you said, you know, Mary, nine o'clock in the morning and I have a parent-teacher meeting, I would have said to you, Sonia, I'm so sorry, yeah. but I have something more important today. Yeah. And so on the EY thing, I mean, the programme itself um, and, and that network of Entrepreneur mm. of the Year, the collective wisdoms, the collective traumas that have gone on yeah. there. Where where are the the learnings for you in your short time that you've been part of it? Where, where are the yeah. benefits? I, I suppose, suppose the networking is amazing. So how I describe it is I'm with my own tribe. <laughs> amazing. And that's how I feel because I sit beside someone on the bus and they're all so grounded. Also, they're all very like me. They're all very generous. They're all grounded people. So we share stories. So I would say, oh, you know, here I am. I started cruise holidays and who would have thought a bloody cruise ship would sink then? You know, a few years later, that was that gone, you know, uh, for a while. And uh, Ashclan, they would tell me something similar or, you know, the stories are the same. So we share the stories and we talked about, you know, so you're in a network that are talking about the importance of resilience, agility, how important that is. You know, if, if you have a business that has failed, most of these people have had businesses that fail. They get back up and they're more successful. Like, you know, so great stories. Extract so, the learnings and keep going. But there is learnings. You know, there is let go, emotionally let go, start again. 
find out what you've learned in the past. It's a bit like relationships, you know, if you're going through relationships, you know, you, you make sure you don't behave that badly in this, yeah. you know, you learn. And that's what they've all done. So what the EY programme is about is networking and how we share stories. And it is all about stories and the strategy that all the business models are important. I have no doubt about that. Uh, there was a lot of them that were on the um, Enterprise Ireland uh, Leadership for Growth course. So I was very lucky to do that in 2012 in IMD in Switzerland. So I went to college. <laughs> I went to the Finally. <laughs> I tell my son that and he well, he slags me about that and he's, he got, went into school and said uh, my mama went to the best business I said no no I didn't go like <laughs> so um but it was great so it's a great program Enterprise Ireland to do and um and that's where you are actually uh, doing a mini MBA on all the strategy and business models. But let me tell you what came out, the most important out of that again, was the importance of emotional intelligence and that these large companies are looking for people with emotional intelligence. Your IQ goes when, it's, uh, when you're 20, you, don't, you can't increase that, but your emotional intelligence you can grow over the years. And that's about understanding the emotions within ourselves. and Back in to your others. common sense. It is really, mm -hmm. you know. So you're with all these grounded people on the EY program, and and so it's a bit of an educational thing. We're in, we were in Hong Kong University. Uh, then you're educated among yourselves, yeah. which is within the tribe, and you can't, you know, that is that's what the most valuable uh, piece of the EY program is. I think we're coming very close to the end of our time together, which I've really enjoyed. I'm going to ask you one last question in one sentence. Sum up why Tour America is a success? I think that there's, there's two th reasons why. I think over the 23 years I've been in business, I've learned a lot. And I think really the team, the, the people, I actually put my staff first and genuinely really, really do communicate with the staff. And I ask them to do one thing, that is to take care of our customers, authentically take care of our customers. If you don't have customers, you don't have business. If you don't have staff, you don't have a business. So those two things are the absolute two ingredients. And I have a lot of fun doing what I'm doing. And I wouldn't do it if I didn't have fun. Life needs fun. Yeah. Mary McKenna, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. Thank you so Thank much. You. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Joe's Architects of Business, made in partnership with EY Entrepreneur of the Year. Thanks to the whole team here at Maximum Studios and, of course, as ever, to our guest, Mary McKenna. If you haven't already done so, please do subscribe to the show to get a brand new episode into your feed for free every fortnight. I'm Sonia Lennon. Talk soon. The Architects of Business on Joe in partnership with EY Entrepreneur of the Year, telling the inspirational stories behind Ireland's most successful entrepreneurs.